Take your copy of God's Word, would you please, and turn with me to the letter of 1 John. 1 John, and go to chapter 2, 1 John. Our study here in 1 John has been showing us why it's so important that we believers, those who are followers and believers in Jesus Christ, be people who stay in the Word, and the Word stay in us. The word John uses for this is abide. He uses that word a lot. You're going to see it several times in the passage before us this morning. Abide. We need the Bible abiding in us. If the word of God is not abiding in us, it's likely that we're going to find ourselves loving the things of the world instead of the things of God We heard the warning against loving sin our last time here in 1 John two weeks ago when in verses 15 through 17, John warned against loving the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, things that we are naturally drawn to in this world and gravitate to without the wisdom of God's Word changing our affections. Believers in Jesus are to love God, are to love the Lord Jesus Christ heart, soul, mind, and strength. And those properly placed affections will strengthen us against the love of sinful affections. Now we arrive at a passage that delivers another warning to believers. This one is in verses 18 through 21. That's where we're going to be this morning, verses 18 to 21 in 1 John 2. Two, there's a clear warning here to be on guard, and you'll see this word early, antichrists. Antichrists. Who are these antichrists? I'll I'll simply explain it this way. They are anyone and any teaching that opposes the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not something mystical. We, you don't have to guess about this. The, the passage before us this morning is going to make it really clear. Anyone or any teaching that opposes Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, get this and understand this, and I think if you're a follower of Christ, you, you should understand this, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the center and very foundation of our faith. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, we have nothing to believe in. Without Easter Sunday, last Sunday, that he rose from the dead, and as we sang this morning, without him rising from the dead, we have nothing to believe in. But he did rise from the dead. He did go to the cross. He did die for sinners. He took the punishment that we deserve, and then he rose from the dead. He conquered death, sin, and hell, and the grave, and he lives today. And because he does, we rejoice like we did this morning as we sang. And now we rejoice as we come to the Word together. And sometimes when we come to the Word, we find words of warning. Not only do we find a warning here, a challenge, but I want you to see this too, this charge to be on guard. There are also, mingled throughout this text, truths here that give great hope and encouragement. There's a warning, but it's threaded throughout with this tapestry of warning. It's kind of threaded throughout with words of encouragement, and I think you'll see them here. So let's look together at the insights for living the Christian life that God moved John to write for our benefit and for the benefit of the church in every day and age. I want you to follow along with me again. 1 John 2, 
Go to verse 18. And I want you to watch not only for the charge to be on guard, but also the truths that encourage. Verse 18. Children. Speaking of believers here, not just, not not adolescents, children, believers. This is like a father talking to his children. Children, it's, It is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. Let's think about the warning. Let's consider the warning, the charge to be on guard. This passage is a charge to be on guard, to be prepared. We see it in verses 18 to 23 especially. John reminds believers that we are in the last hour. And that just as we have heard, Antichrist is coming. Now here's something interesting, and you might be thinking this, something interesting, some 2,000 years ago, the church was in the last hour. Some 2,000 years ago, this was written. The church was in the last hour, some 2,000 years ago. But according to the teaching of the Bible, we learned that we are also in the last hour. How long is this hour? And what is this last hour? Well, the New Testament's teaching is that Jesus began the last hour with his first coming. When he first came, and even though that was a long time ago, believers today, as the scriptures say, are still in the last hour. That last hour that the Lord Jesus Christ began when he first came. Now, how can that be? Well, let's remember, don't forget, God works with human time. He doesn't need human time. We're the ones who need it, so he created it for us. He's not bound by human time. He's above 
human time. Second Peter 3 verse 8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Just to give you an idea, an hour to God is not necessarily the same thing as an hour for us. And you're hoping I don't preach for an hour. Only God knows how long these last days of this final hour are, how long they will last. And if it was the last hour for believers in John's day, it's even more critical that followers of Jesus Christ today be alert and ready and on guard as we draw near the second coming of Christ when Jesus will return to defeat the Antichrist and destroy evil and establish his millennial kingdom. How important that believers today, seeing as that believers 2,000 years ago were in the last hour, we're 2,000 years closer to whatever time that is that Jesus Christ will return. And we're 2,000 years closer to that day that there will be an Antichrist that the world worships. John says that, yes, we are in the last hour, and before the return of Christ, there will be an Antichrist. There will be a person whom Satan indwells and empowers who will oppose the Lord Jesus Christ and even be worshipped by the world. We don't know who that person is, and it's not probably wise for us to try to figure that out. It's not important for us to figure out who the Antichrist is. Some have tried to figure that out. Some say, well, he's got to be alive today. I think it's so-and-so. I don't think that that's necessarily a healthy thing for us to do in the church because what's most important for us today is what John says next. There are and will continue to be many people in the world who take on the work of opposing the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the many antichrists that have come and will continue to come. We don't need to spot the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, the, the thought, the teaching of, of those who oppose Christ is already prevalent. What should be our main concern is not determining who the Antichrist will be, but preparing ourselves and being ready for the fact that there are many people already doing his work of opposing the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many antichrists. There are many forms of evil and undercurrent of evil that is hostile toward God and oppose the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is now at work in the world the work of the antichrist which reminds us we are in the last hour. And as one commentator remarks, interestingly... There could be no antichrists if there was not a true Christ. Even their coming is a witness concerning his coming. How about that? Even the fact that there are antichrists, there are those who teach against Christ, testifies to the fact that he came. There have been people in every generation that have exhibited this principle of evil that is opposed to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So John's warning is a warning to believers in every generation that the work of the Antichrist is being carried out today. Of course, the opposition of Christ is obvious in the teaching of some people. 
Some people, the things that they teach, it's very clean, clear. They make it very clear that they are opposing Christ. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're doing everything they can to oppose him. John points to that truth in verse 19 when he says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they, are, they all are not of us. For some who, who oppose Christ, it's very plain. We can spot them a mile away. We know, we know who they are. We know their, their false doctrines. So sometimes it's obvious who's opposing Christ. But the challenge for us today, and the challenge from God's Word to us today, are those antichrists that aren't so easy to spot that are more subtle. In other people, it can be subtle, which makes their opposition of Christ more dangerous to the church. So how can we know whether what people teach or proclaim is truth, they say is truth, or is the work, is the work of opposing Christ? Is it, are they opposing Christ? Is what they're saying truth, or is, or is what they're saying in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ, John gives a defining characteristic of a person who's working in the, in the evil ways of Antichrist in verses 22 and 23. Look at them again, verse 22. Here's how we can listen to a person's teaching and discern whether they're speaking for Christ or the Antichrist. Verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. There's a warning there. And like I noted earlier, threaded in is light, encouragement, hope. The next line, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So people today who are working in the spirit of Antichrist or in the teaching of Antichrist are those who deny the Father and the Son. For some, their denial of God and the Lord Jesus Christ is clear and obvious, but others might say something like, well, Jesus was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was a charismatic personality, but he was not the God-man. He couldn't have been God in human flesh. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe that you know, he was God. He was just one of, one of many good people. Some might say they believe he died a cruel martyr's death. But that he couldn't have died for sinners. And there's no way he rose from the dead. And this kind of teaching and many more kinds of teaching that are even often even more subtle than that threatens to lead people away from the word of truth. John says so in verse 26. Look at verse 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So John sounds the alarm that there is this undercurrent of opposition to Jesus Christ as Savior. There is this undercurrent of opposition to to the Lord Jesus Christ as the one, the only one, the God-man who lived a sinless life, who died a cruel death on a cross, was buried in the grave and rose from the dead on the third day and lives today for your justification. 
There is an undercurrent of teaching that opposes that truth. It's at work in the world today, working to deceive people who would believe in Jesus. So, so we can be grateful, I think, that John sounds the alarm, that God inspires John to pen these words for believers in his day and in this day and in every generation of the church, this warning sounds the alarm. The house is on fire. But how do we escape? Could we have a way of escape, please? And yes, God gives us that also. There is hope in his word. God wants you to know that there is hope and help. And what we find here are words of encouragement and a charge to keep. We'll get to the charge to keep, but think about the words of encouragement. Note the words of encouragement to all people who are followers of Christ. Go back to verse 20. But you, this is speaking to believers. Remember, children, at the beginning of our passage, speaking to God's children who have trusted in Jesus Christ. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. Here is hope. Here is encouragement for believers in Jesus. For all people who repent of sin and believe in Jesus, you have been anointed by the Holy One. Believers in Jesus, here's what this means. Believers in Jesus have received the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in you if you're a follower of, believer in Jesus Christ. Yes, there are evil forces at work in the world. And there are people who are emboldened by Satan to deceive people from believing the truth of the gospel. But if your hope is in Jesus Christ, you have been anointed by the Holy One. Consider that. Be encouraged by that. Know that you have the strength of the Holy Spirit at work in you. You have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit at work in you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's very good news. Resisting the ploys of the evil one doesn't depend on your wisdom alone. doesn't depend on your strength alone. We'll hear John say this in 1 John 4 and Verse 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Little children, again, hear, you, hear that language where he's just a, a father talking to his children, a spiritual dad talking to spiritual children. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. Do not be discouraged when you see in this world a current of false doctrine. It's all around us. Be reminded that you have the anointing of God in your life. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit at work in you to help you, to guard you, to keep you. You are His. We see that here in the text that we read this morning. Believers in Jesus are guarded against the work of Antichrist. Yes, Antichrist is at work in this world, but believers are guarded against him. Believers in Jesus have God the Spirit and the Word of God 
We need both. We need the Spirit at work in us. Praise God, if our faith is in Jesus Christ, we have the Spirit, His indwelling presence, to take the word of truth. We also need the word. That's a reminder. We keep getting this reminder, and I'll keep sounding this reminder. If you get away from the word, if you get away from the word, if you do not abide in the word, if the word doesn't abide in you, you may find yourself disheartened, even led astray for a time by the many antichrists in this world. No word in your life. You are missing out on the needed strength that the Holy Spirit will use to help guard your heart and your mind. And so John writes in verse 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth. Well, then why does he write? For the same reason... A preacher gets up here every Sunday and preaches to you things that many of you have heard for many years because you need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. He writes this because they need to be reminded. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. You know the truth, and I'm here to remind you of that truth. I'm here to take you back to the truth because no lie is of the truth. You will recognize the lies of the evil one when you know the truth of the Word. So, beloved, be people of the Word. That's kind of what John is saying here is get back. Make sure you get back to the the things that you learned at the first. We hear it here in the passage. Get back to the fundamentals of your faith. Be in the Word and let the Word abide in you. Because no lie is of the truth. You'll recognize the lies of the evil one if you have the truth abiding in you. You don't need to study the lies. You need to study the truth. This is the assurance of every believer in Christ that we have the Holy Spirit. When we take the Word in, the Holy Spirit takes the Word and guards us and helps us and strengthens us and grows us. That's the assurance of every believer in Christ. This promise is yours if you have faith in Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You have God at work in you. You have the key to knowledge that will guard you from the ploys of the evil one and the many antichrists, many antichrists that are at work in this world This is the assurance of every believer in Christ. I want you to look at the second half of verse 23. And again, here's this encouragement and hope. Second half of verse 23, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will have the Father also. Every believer has the anointing the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who leads you into the truth of God's Word and applies that truth to your life. And you are secure in your salvation because of your fellowship with God the Son and God the Father. And according to verse 25, this is the promise that has been made to you eternal life. That is a great promise. 
It doesn't take long in this day in which we live to look around. You don't even need to turn on the news, and, and maybe you shouldn't even turn on the news. You just look around, and when you do look around, you realize things are fleeting, and things are falling apart, and there's evilness, and there's wickedness in, in this world in which we live, and can be disheartening. But you realize that you are Christ. If, you're, if your faith is in Him, you are His, you are kept by God. And this is the promise that he has made to you, eternal life. You're his if your faith is in Jesus Christ. He keeps you. It's an incredible promise. Your sins are forgiven and you are forever secure in Christ. So keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your life grounded in the word of God. That's the encouragement. And we need to hear that encouragement. I told you also there was a charge to keep from this passage. The charge to keep is a twofold charge that goes hand in hand with the promise that's ours in Christ. We have the work of God in us. We ought to rejoice in that. We have the work of God's Holy Spirit working through His Spirit, working in us with His Word. And in light of this, look at verse 24 for the first part of the charge to keep. Verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Be careful that that little word let, you don't take too passively. (laughs) It's more like, pay attention and do this. This is important, dwell on this. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. What is it that the receivers of this first letter had heard from the beginning. Well, they had heard the apostles' teaching, the things written down for us that we have in God's Word. From the very beginning of their faith in Christ, they heard the apostles' teaching. From the very beginning of your faith in Christ, you've heard the apostles' teaching in the pages of Scripture, the the words that God moved the apostles to teach and write in the pages of our Bibles. It's the Word of God preached. It's the Word of God as we read it. It's the Word of God God taught to us as as the Scriptures are opened and explained and taught to us. Those things that we've heard from the very beginning of our faith, let them abide in you. Let them live in you. Let them stay in you. In the words of the Apostle Paul from Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. From Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored it up. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Store it up. Let it dwell in you. You dwell in the Word. Let the Word dwell in you. Let it change your thinking. Let it change the way that you do your work. Let it change the way that you relate to your wife, your husband, your children, your neighbors, your coworkers. Let it change the way you think about the struggles you face. And as we've heard right here in 1 John 2, back in verse 14, you have help from God to overcome the evil one when God's word abides in you, when it stays in you, because you know him who is from the beginning, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. 
You cannot overcome the evil one on your own. You need the word. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have his spirit. The spirit is waiting for you to put the word in so he can take the word and use it to strengthen you, to guard you, to equip you. The Bible, the word of God, this is what we've heard from the beginning of our faith in Christ. This is what we need to abide in. It needs to abide in us. It needs to stay in us. That means we need to stay in the word. And so we have this repeating theme to be guarded from the deceitfulness of the evil one. Live in, abide in, stay in the word of God. Get the Bible into your life. And the second part of John's charge is in verse 27. Look at verse 27. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Come back to that thought in just a moment. You have no need that anyone should teach you. Sometimes we have questions about that. But, keep going here, as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. The second part of the charge comes at the end of verse 27. Three words. Abide in him. Some Bible translations have it, ye shall or you will abide in him. But this is, this is really a challenge. This is really a charge to do something. A charge, a command to keep. Abide in him. Now we might understand how he keeps us and how he abides in us, but how do we, how do we abide in him? This is really a challenge for us to do something. And you can only do this by staying in the word. God has written to us in the pages of Scripture and He has given us our Bibles so that we might know Him, so that we might understand what He intends for us to know for life today and for godliness in this world where there are antichrists at work and you abide in Him by abiding in His Word by talking to him in prayer, by even taking the scriptures and praying them back to him, asking for his wisdom, for his encouragement, for his strength, for his help. He promises to work in your life with the word of truth by the power of his spirit. If you will humble yourself before him, abiding in his word, you will abide in him. You can only abide in Christ. You can only abide in Him by staying in His Word and being obedient to His Word. John reminds believers here, look, it's like he's saying, the anointing that you receive, the Holy Spirit that abides in you, He's teaching you. The Holy Spirit teaches you the truth when you have the Word abiding in you. And so you remain in the Spirit. You remain in Him. You yield to the Spirit. You submit your life to His teaching and His Word and you'll abide in Him as He abides in you. And so verse 27 
I said we come back to this thought, this thought in verse 27, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Verse 27 is not telling us that we don't need to listen to people who proclaim the truth of the word of God. The Bible commands that we teach and preach. That's why we do this. So it's not telling you that you don't listen to people who teach you the word of truth. It's a warning. This is a warning that you don't need any new truth. You don't need someone to come along and say, now this isn't in the Bible, but God said this to me and I'm telling you, "Uh uh-uh, be careful, stop. Is it in the word? There's no new truth that God is revealing He's revealed himself in his word. This is the truth that we're to abide in. And so you don't need anyone to come alongside you and say, now now I know you've never heard this before. That's why John is saying those things that you learn from the beginning, stay in them. Don't let the deceiver deceive you, pull you away, distract you, derail you. Verse 27 is a challenge, is a reminder, it's a warning that you don't need any new truth revealed to you. What you need is the Bible. That's what the Spirit uses to teach you. And if you're not in the Bible, if the Bible's not in you, that's where you go. That's where you go for truth. That's where you go for teaching from God. That's where you go to hear God speak to you. And listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, when he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. We need to hear this again and again, don't we? Because I know you're going to leave here and and as soon as you leave, you're going to start thinking about the rest of your week. And that's why it's so important for God's people to be devoted to the Word of God and getting it in daily. Because the rest of the week will take you away from this truth. And we need to abide in the truth. We need to stay in this. We need to have our hearts and minds saturated by the Word of God so that we think and breathe the truth of God that His Holy Spirit is using in us as we saturate our lives in it. But if we're not saturating our lives in this truth, we are ill-equipped, we are unarmed for spiritual warfare that we are going to face, that we are in fact facing in this moment. Abide in me, says Jesus, and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 5, verses 18 and 19, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. There's, there's an, a pointer there to the equipping that is ours when we, when we are filled with the Spirit, when we are submissive to the Holy Spirit, when we are submissive to God's Word. That's what being filled with the Spirit is. Opening the Word of God and submitting your life to it, being willing to change those things that God is challenging you over, having the attitude before you open and read, say, God, I'm going to read your Word. Please speak to me as I see you and hear you speaking to me from the pages of your Word. Help me to abide. Help me to obey. 
Help me to change where I need to change. You need Christ. You need his word living in you. What kind of life does abiding in the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit produce? The New Testament gives us a glimpse of that also, a passage you're likely familiar with. In Galatians 5, listen to verses 22 and following. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you abide in the Spirit and the Spirit abides in you, there's going to be fruit It's not just good for you, but it's also good for the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and and becomes apparent to the world who sees you, the world who's being influenced by the many antichrists who need to see the Christ. Verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. That's submission to God's word. Submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit, you've crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So there's the charge for you today, because there is an undercurrent of evil that seeks to separate you from the truth of God's Word. And because that's true, you must live in the Bible and yield to the Holy Spirit who is living and working in you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You might be realizing that you don't have this. You don't have this understanding. You haven't trusted in Jesus Christ. And I encourage you, even in this moment, in the quietness of your heart, you can pray to God now and confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and and understand that that He is is gracious to forgive your sins through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and to save you and make you His and then to indwell you with His Spirit so that you can begin to change by the Word at work in you. Believers, you need to hear this again, just as I need to hear this again. Read, memorize, store up, be encouraged by, be corrected by, and admonished by the Word of God. Be willing to change. As you open the pages of Scripture, don't just read because you've got a plan and you're trying to check all the boxes. It's okay to use a plan. Please do use one if you're having trouble reading God's Word. Or if you want to challenge yourself to be faithful in it day by day, use a Bible reading plan. You've heard me at the beginning of the year challenge you to do that. But it's not just for the sake of checking off boxes. Before you open your Bible, ask God to help you be willing to change. For your good. For His glory. For the good of the church. For the good of those around you who are being deceived by the many antichrists in the world today, yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. It begins with you. It begins with me. The Holy Spirit working and living in us. Allow your thinking to be set right, set straight by the Bible. Do not quench the Spirit, but surrender. Yield to the Holy Spirit's work and you. Humble yourself before the Lord. And His promise is that He will lift you up. He will strengthen you and guide you. He will help you and guard you against the evil one and his schemes. You live in God's Word and yield to the work of the Holy Spirit who is using the Word in you and you will be growing in Christ. You will be guarded in your walk with Christ. And you will be ready to encourage other believers with the truth and you will be ready to be a testimony to others who need Christ, pointing them to the Savior.
Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, how good these warnings, how good these words of challenge, and how precious these words of truth and encouragement that are ours today in our Bibles. God, we ask, strengthen us today to be obedient to you, to walk in the word, to walk with the truth, the light of life, illuminating our lives, illuminating our work, illuminating the lives that we live with our families and in our neighborhoods and in your church. God, grow us as your church in Christ's likeness. Help us to not open this word without being willing to submit to your work in us as you promise to illuminate the truth for us as we submit to it. Grow us, Lord, we ask. Father, we also ask that you would draw unbelievers to yourself. Open their eyes. Illuminate the truth so that they would see who Jesus is clearly. See their need of a Savior as sinners and believe in the sinless one who was crucified for sinners and rose from the dead, conquering sin and the grave. God, we praise you for your word. We thank you for the word of truth and the instruction that you give us there. Help us to be students of the word. Help us to be convicted once again to be faithful to read and apply the truths to our own lives that we might be growing as the people that you long for us to be that you might use us in this day in which we live where there are people who are deceiving people from believing in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be bearers of the truth, livers of the truth, bearers of light for your glory, for our good, and for the good of those who need Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.